1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What time do you usually get to bed?
0: Probably about 6, 6 6.30 a.m. and wake up around uh 1 one thirty p.m I, I try and get about seven hours but depending on the quantity of of work i've i've done in the day and also uh any new interests i have that are uh igniting my imagination in the middle of the night uh that 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 may get closer to six uh i feel i feel better with seven but often it's often when i'm in a long work tear and i've been uh working since last march uh, so this is a very, very long one. Uh, I, uh, I get a little bit behind on sleep. Well, th- the thing is, um, I, I, I committed to the, the project that I'm doing and, and began it last March and, uh, which is, uh, my, my second graphic novel, but I didn't want it to be as arduous as the first in terms of how many hours a day I was working on that one. I was, It was pretty much 12 hours of work a day with some 13 and some 14, occasionally less than that. But I I did that for about five months and that was uh, pretty rough. There was was just very little time to do anything and anything else that popped up, such as an interview or other work that I needed to do or, you know, just some inconvenience or even just a social thing would completely throw my schedule. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, working an even longer day the following day. So I wanted to come up with a more uh, reasonable schedule. So this one is probably on average nine hours a day, which isn't nothing. uh, But there's there's a pretty big world of difference for me in terms of being able to enjoy my life Uh, if I'm working a nine hour day, uh, regularly between, you know, as opposed to a 12 or 13 hour day, just having the extra, uh, two, three, four hours at the end of the day to, uh, watch a television show or read a comic or read a book or or do whatever is, is a, is a huge difference just in terms of my ability, uh, to reset and enjoy my life.
1: Did you find with the working hours longer? with the first graphic novel because you were on that learning curve still as well, because you were kind of having to pick it up more rapidly.
0: The first one was, I think the speeds were kind of similar and it's really just, I'm requiring less of myself in the end. The first one I required myself to draw a page every day. And what I did was I penciled it. I usually put the panels on the page this, this was Forbidden Surgeries of the Hideous Doctor of Venus. That's the first one. And I'd put the panels on the page. Uh, I would write out all the dialogue. And the entire story was written prior to me doing any drawing, so I knew what was going down. So I put the panels on the page. I put the dialogue down. Then I'd draw the pictures in. All of that's in pencil. And then I would go back and uh, go over all of it again in ink. And so I would do a full page, uh, from the blank page to the finished page that's in the book every day. So that, and, and that process is, is about 12 hours. And I don't think that that's gotten any shorter because I think for all of the shortcuts I've gotten, I've also become better. I mean, I think the art in uh, the second book is, uh, is quite a bit better. It's, uh, a little more complex, a little more realistic, a little bit more in terms of rendering. Uh, and I'm getting. Uh, anatomies and physiognomies uh, better, uh, far from perfect, uh, and they're still stylized, but better than in the first one. So I think although there are shortcuts and ways I've learned to save time, then there are the things that take more time to do correctly, Uh, with the big advantage for the second one being that I'm not penciling and inking the same page on the same day. And by penciling pages and leaving them, and sometimes it's for a day or two, or sometimes it's for much longer, I, I eventually got into a groove where I would pencil a lot of pages and then go back and ink a lot of pages. But by doing that, uh, it's closer to my writing process and, my, um, and the way I do music uh, with Jeff Harriet, whom, whom I know you interviewed, yeah. uh, which is make the material, move forward, and then circle back when you're fresher. So I would circle back to some of these penciled pages, say, oh, wow, the eyes are really not even in this or the perspective is off here. Uh, Occasionally, I would see something that I thought was um, sort of off when I was doing it. And then I would look at it and say, oh, I know what's wrong with this now. Uh, The the door should be at this angle or, or something like that. So in the end, I think, before I was working a twelve-hour day, and I would do a hundred percent of a page. And now I'm working a nine-hour day, and I think I do about seventy-five percent of a page, which might be me penciling a page and a half, or penciling a page and inking half a page, or whatever it whatever it comes out to. But it's a similar pace. I'm just doing less in the day, and also doing less in the day also raises the quality, uh, because a lot of those days when I'm just forcing myself to finish at the end of the day. It's getting sloppier or rushed and is less good. And um, it was good for me to do with the first one since I uh, was really figuring out what I was doing and I knew no matter what, when I was finished with it, I would say, I'm glad I've done this. I think it communicates the story well in terms of layout and a general storytelling sense. I think the the events are, are clearly put out there. But in terms of rendering and the fine art quality, I knew I was going to have a lot of criticisms for it. So better not to spend too much time laboring over trying to make that great when I knew that I would not be able to do that and just get it done, get it out there uh, and move on to the next one.
1: It's interesting to think about in the context of that a lot of your work, one of the main features of it is this idea of world building and crafting a world and filling it in with all these little details to make it feel like a real lived in place. Does your approach to that differ in any way when you become more skilled as an artist in terms of the drawing and the construction of it?
0: I think it's pretty similar uh, for me between the two comics, my movies and books in that I visualize all of this in a, in a fair amount of detail when I am writing it. So writing is obviously the thing I'm most comfortable doing uh, in, and it's the thing I've done the most. Uh, I've, I, my six novel, uh, The Slanted Gutter, actually came out at the same time as the uh, graphic novel, The Forbidden Surges of the Idiot Doctor Davinich. And so that's my sixth novel published. I have a couple of others that I really kind of figured out how to write by writing. Uh, actually, uh, Jeff Harriet has read those uh, and other friends, but I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to publish them. They, they would need a lot of work for me to feel comfortable putting them out there. But I have six novels that are out and I've written about I've written 51, 52 screenplays, and I wrote a lot of music, music criticism. Uh, that was actually my first paid job as a writer, was writing for a heavy metal magazine called Metal Maniacs. And so I have a lot of experience doing it. The thing that's uh, very uh, natural uh, for me, very comfortable for me. And when I'm writing, it's uh, kind of pure, it's creative process, as opposed to when I'm drawing. And there are the limitations of my technical abilities and it's all creative. But I'll come up against some things like, oh, I can't draw this very well. Or, um, Oh, this is something I can draw. Well, so let me, let me make this design more this way. So things start to shift. And that's the way it is with movies as well. When I get on the set and, you know, I'm shooting a movie that's supposed to be in a, in a urban location in, United States, and I'm in the middle of Canada, or rather on the coast of Canada. And I'm like, ooh, I can't really show all of this landscape, or uh, I can't really show all these uh, Canadian flags in the background. So you start dealing with the parameters that reality uh, sets and need to adjust things accordingly. And uh, But during the writing process, I visualize all of these things, and I'll include a lot of them. And then when I'm drawing it or if I'm making it as a movie, I'll try and include as much of that stuff as, as possible. But uh, it didn't really change uh, between the first and second comic, uh, nor the first and, and second movie. But I, I it, because it just remains that when I'm writing, I put all of the I push aside all of the thoughts of how difficult will this be to shoot in a movie or how difficult will this be to draw. I'm just writing a story that I think is uh the most compelling and and most interesting.
1: Well those limitations that you face in these various mediums, do you ever think about them when you're in the actual writing process itself? Or are they only something that come into your mind when you face them directly?
0: I didn't think about them very much when I was writing the comic because I knew in the end I could do some crude version of probably just about anything I thought of. In the case of movies it was a thought for one script, and that was Bone Tomahawk, which when I originally wrote that, it was for me to make for possibly even less money than I did make it. Uh, and we, we made that for about $2 million uh, and shot it in 20, 21 days. So it was very, very rushed. Uh, and, and part of the reason that it was shot in the style that it was shot in was because that was actually one of the only styles I felt I could consistently shoot a movie in in that amount of time. Uh, and I wanted the, the um, visual uh, language to be consistent throughout the movie. I didn't want, okay, we're doing all this locked off stuff at Dolly's. Now we got to run around with handheld cameras and just grab things as quick as we can. Cause we're running out of time. I mean you know, so I, I set out with something that would be fast moving from the beginning. Uh, but to answer your question, in terms of the writing process, it was on bone tomahawk uh, informed by me knowing the limitations. so I knew I wanted horses in the movie uh, at the same time I knew horses were going to slow us down and be expensive there's a reason that the horses get stolen uh, pretty early <laughs> on, and it worked out well for the it worked out well for the story, but that was that was reverse engineered. That was something like, these horses are going to be a pain in the ass to shoot. Uh, And they were, and they say, you know, they, they slow this down and uh, you know, it's not like the horses are perfect with going on their marks or don't act out during a take or anything like that. So, you know, they were, they were lovely, they were lovely animals, but they're animals and you're putting four actors on them. So it's not like there's a, there's a trainer Hidden inside each horse, you know, controlling it by computer. They're animals, and uh, they're going to do what they want to do, and uh, urinate when that needs to happen, and <laughs> defecate when it's time to do that as well. Uh, so you, you've got to you've got to pick your you got to pick your spot, and uh, that was something I knew early on. Okay, let's let's get out of that. And also, I knew that the town stuff making the town stuff look convincing in some ways was going to be pricier uh, uh, than just four guys out walking around in the the wide open. So they got out of the town pretty quickly. But that was really like, there aren't many concessions even in that one. Uh, That one was really just, uh, I I can point to one thing and say, this definitely was a budget consideration, and that was that the horses got stolen very early. Cause I just need, I, I knew I didn't want to deal with the horses for very long, but, but for the most part, I still wrote that, uh, in that free manner of, uh, whatever came to me, I'm putting it in there. If I find it interesting, it's going in there. If it makes me uncomfortable and it's supposed to make the audience uncomfortable, good. I'm going to go to that extent and, and just, and, and come at it all from the, you know, the different character perspectives.
1: How many pages were you shooting a day at that point, out of interest?
0: There isn't, a, there isn't a set number for that because there were a couple of action piece days that were short. But for instance, the sequence when um, all of the guys are in the saloon immediately after uh, the kidnapping, after um, Samantha O'Dwyer and Deputy Nick have been taken, there's a sequence with a ton of people. Uh, kind of, the, you know, the, the main the main people plus um, the mayor and the mayor's wife, played by Sean Young and uh, Michael Pare, and all of the all of these folks and, and the wonderful Fred Melamed. Uh, all of these folks are there, and this is a gigantic scene. And we did that whole scene, and then uh, the campfire sequence of the guys eating uh, eating the beans, and Arthur breaks down and can't uh, quite say his prayers. We did both of those scenes in one day. So I know that that day was more than 10 pages, Wow, uh, which, was, uh, which, which was high. That wasn't a typical day, but probably the, my guess is the average was something like seven pages. It might be six, but it was usually, you usually get these clumps. Like in this day, we knew we were going to do that gigantic saloon sequence, which is a really long sequence with a ton of people and, and pretty complex. And then um, some of this, some of this nighttime stuff. Actually, we did multiple nighttime scenes that night. So that that day, that day might have been the most, and we might have even gotten over eleven pages on that day. But I think in general, we were looking at something like seven. And uh, going into the process, uh, I would I would be repeatedly taken aside by different crew members, the assistant director, the cinematographer. Everyone would take me aside at some point. And look at me and say, you know, there's no way we're ever going to be able to do this movie in this amount of time. And I'd say, I, I, we're going to, we'll be able to do it. And I'm not going to cut anything down from the script or change anything uh, until we're failing. And if we're failing, I'll adjust as we go. But this is the plan and we're going to, we're going to do it. So everyone would have these private little meetings where they thought they were, they were giving, you know, like, let me give, let me give this guy the, the bitter, the bitter truth. Let me give him the, the bad tasting medicine. Let me tell him. This is not going to happen. And then we have the, and my goal for the first day of production on that movie was finish early, get everything done, show everyone that this can actually happen at this speed and everyone's mind will be changed. And that's what happened. We actually finished early that day and shot some extra stuff. And people just came up to me and said, wow, we might actually get this movie done. Uh, even people who hadn't confided in me that it was impossible, uh, to, to make this movie in this amount of time. We worked a a fair amount of overtime on those days, so it wasn't like twenty regular days. But uh, that was, you know, it was it was cheaper in a lot of ways to just go into overtime, even though that cost plenty, than to throw on an extra day, uh, which really would have been my preference. But it was just something we couldn't afford at the time.
1: When you're working through that much material in a day. How does the sense of momentum you get creatively working on a picture like that differ to working on a comic book when you're in your home and you're kind of working these 12-hour days?
0: Well, with with the, I mean, the, the truth is working on a comic book most of the time is creative. And when I'm not um, overtired or having, uh, you know, a day with um, just a lot of, you know, say, technical stuff or stuff where I'm using uh, the ruler a lot, which I enjoy far less. But most of the, most of the day at the, at the drawing board is creative and creatively satisfying. Most of the day on a movie set as the director is managerial and uh, problem solving. and So you get through the day and hope you get uh, everything that you want. And I have a good eye for seeing what I need in the take. I don't, I, unless it's uh, something that's happening incredibly quickly, like a moment of violence and a special effect. I don't watch playback. I uh, actually sit next to the camera. So I have pretty much the angle of the camera, but I sit next to the camera or underneath the camera and just watch the performance. And if I see what I was looking for, then we move on. So sometimes we're moving on two takes, uh, sometimes one take, sometimes three, uh, occasionally four and in all of these movies, I, I'd say it's probably where like the takes are averaging three to four takes for each thing. And some of that is casting the right people and some of that is, uh, having time for rehearsal and it landing. So, uh, the momentum you get on, a, on a set is if you're getting ahead, then you know, this is all just time towards when you face a difficulty. So there isn't there isn't really for me anyways as a director on the movies that I've done there isn't really a moment uh, where you're just relaxed and satisfied because if you're getting ahead if you have a day that's moving at a at a at a rapid pace at a good clip I'd say a lot of the um, some of the home life stuff with Tori Kittle's character Henry Johns in Dragged Across Concrete a lot of those days were fairly smooth and uh, and easy and some of the home life stuff with uh, Brett Ridgeman, uh, Mel Gibson's character, and his wife, when we were in these kind of controlled set situations and there weren't a lot of other variables coming in. And those days went smoothly, um, and I got a lot of what I needed and had time to do extra takes if I wanted or additional setups. Uh, but whenever, I feel, whenever I'm ahead on a movie, I just know that, well, this time is going to go towards some difficulty, And you never know what the difficulty may be. The difficulty may be an actor walks through the door and the door falls off or the handle comes ripped out of the door or someone gets in a car and a part of the car falls off. Like, all of these are things that happen. And so these aren't things you can anticipate. Uh, So then all of the time when you were getting ahead with the sequences that went smoothly, this is the sinkhole into which it goes. Whereas with a comic, when I get ahead, I'm legitimately ahead. Like, you know, when I have a day that's moving fast, uh, right now I'm doing, um, uh, it's a big sequence in outer space and I have 10 main characters. Uh, so there's a lot of people to draw. So when I have a panel that has all 10 characters, this is going to slow me down. When I have a panel with a ton of stars that I want drawn precisely over black, rather than doing like the white out dots over black, I've got to outline each one of those stars and then color in all the spaces. That's going to take time. If it's just a bunch of panels of single faces, that day's going to move quickly, and I can accomplish more in that day. And it's, you know, it's not, um, it, it's not just you're getting ahead for the time when you, you get behind. So it's a different thing. And I mean, there, there aren't a lot of variables with the comic. It's me uh, at the drawing board. These are the tools I'm using. Uh, maybe my back doesn't feel great. Maybe today I'm listening to a lot of soul music. Maybe today I'm listening to a lot of uh, death metal. Uh, you know, these are the variables, but it's all creative and moving in the same direction at a, at a similar pace. Whereas a movie, there are just so so many variables. I mean, I, I don't I don't know the number of people who worked on Dragon Across Concrete* on the set, uh, but you know, 80, 90, uh, There are this is a, there are a lot of there are a lot of moving parts. Uh, a lot of trucks that need to show up. A lot of equipment that needs to go in. And just more, uh, when you add that much complexity, obviously there's going to be things that go wrong and uh, you can't anticipate every problem. You can't anticipate that that the door doesn't work uh, or that um, you're shooting a sequence with two guys uh, talking in a car and it's supposed to be this abandoned place and then someone in an apartment nearby Uh, starts having uh, some kind of crazy drum rehearsal, uh, which actually happened when we were shooting Drags Across Concrete. And so we just watch time, you know, I'm watching time and money and my ability to do extra takes go down the drain as people are trying to find what apartment in this building that we thought was completely shut down, someone has set up a drum kit and is just going crazy on the drum kit and makes all of the sound unusable for the scene.
1: Man, That's almost
0: like something out of a movie itself. Yeah, it's not, it's not, not, a, not, a, not a fun time solving that sort of problem.
1: You mentioned um, a little while back that you were working on a sequence on a comic book today where there was 10 characters. Quite often you seem to find yourself working with an ensemble of characters and coming at a theme from different angles with people at various sides of the spectrum. What is it that kind of draws you repeatedly to coming back to working with an ensemble for a story?
0: Uh, the multiple perspectives, you said it, uh, multiple perspectives, I find really, really interesting. And obviously you can set interesting group dynamics and uh, relationships between characters. I mean, you spoke to Jeff Harriet. Uh, this, this guy has been one of my closest friends for most of my life. I mean, we became friends. I think I was, I think I was 13 and he was 14. Uh, he, was one, he was one grade ahead of me there's a lot of history you, when, when you know someone for more than 30 years. So I definitely like dealing with male friendships. I definitely like dealing with, uh, male uh, I like dealing with uh, romantic relationships and also dealing with a group where you really are getting a sense of a lot of different personalities. It just gives someone a sense of the world uh, larger than just one perspective. And, you know, it was an interesting thing. A, a lot of people have come up with their opinions on, where they think I come from politically. And I've always been candid that I, I don't come from a political place. Uh, but because I'm not declaratively one way, uh, declaratively, uh, outspoken about this stuff. And I let my movies breathe and I let the characters kind of speak the way they speak without a lot of judgment. Uh, I, I get judged, which is fine. Like I'm not, I'm not making these movies and writing these books and making comics so that people can have a sense that I am an outstanding individual. I'm doing it because I find it interesting, but it's something that, um, it was, it was interesting. I mean, one thing that was sort of disproven. So it's something I, I refer to cause I'm not out to uh, go through and, and point out all the things characters say that I don't believe and point out the things that they say that I think are partially correct. Uh, but one thing that, came up was in the first movie, there's Arthur O'Dwyer is religious and he's Christian and his faith helps bring him through something. And in Brawl and Sub-Buck 99, it's the same thing with Bradley Thomas. Uh, you know, this is an alcoholic anonymous guy who has uh, found the Lord and uh, looks for help uh, in his faith and, and finds it. So for a while it was sort of out there that I was a Christian filmmaker pushing my Christian ideology And then eventually it came out that I am an atheist from a Jewish family. So probably not pushing my Christian values, because I don't have Christian values. Uh, But for me, those were things that helped those characters, and I didn't feel the need to distance myself from them. And so you get conversations like the ones between Arthur O'Dwyer, uh, a, a religious Christian, and Bruder, who certainly an atheist and has a very different point of view than Matthew Fox character in Bone Tomahawk. And watching those guys bounce off of each other, that that to me is interesting. And uh, because I don't look down on people who have different views than I do, I certainly don't look down on someone for uh, being religious, uh, if that religion helps that person to a better place. And um, so that sort of stuff comes out of working with uh, ensembles. And as, as I said in the comics, it's an enormous ensemble. Some of that is because it's, uh, it's a science fiction piece and I needed a lot of science experts with different fields of expertise. But some of it is also the, the same thing that you saw in Bone Tomahawk and Dragged Across Concrete where you're really just getting these different uh, opinions uh, bouncing off each other. And that to me starts to feel more like reality in a three-dimensional world than a singular viewpoint going through the whole movie uh, trying to uh, drive home some kind of moral message, which to me usually feels a little bit like I'm being lectured by the creator rather than I am seeing a world and allowed to draw my own conclusions. I mean, to me, it's uh, like that sort of ambiguity and that sort of uh, richness uh, makes the the piece larger than any single idea, which to me makes the piece larger, uh, rather than this entire movie exists to show you that war is bad uh, or that bullying is bad or that diversity is good, then it starts to feel like all of the characters are saying and doing things and everything that's happening is uh, at work to prove a thesis point, which starts not to feel like reality because... It's not like the city of New York exists and everyone walks around and lives their lives to prove a thesis point. There are, you know, you know, eight, nine million different perspectives walking around the city.
1: Yeah, it would make your world feel less real, like what we were saying about the world building, and kind of constructing this place where these right. characters can exist.
0: Yes. so that, that's, that's where it comes from. I've got time for one more question, and I've got to get back to the drawing board.
1: That's perfect. When when you explore this new medium of comics like you've been doing recently, does that allow you to explore sides of your creativity that you weren't previously aware of in any way?
0: Certainly. Drawing is uh, my first creative interest and probably the first creative interest of, of many creative people. I, I, I don't know about your, yourself, but yeah, for um, sure. I mean, I remember we were, we were, in, we were in rehearsal on Dragon Across Concrete and Mel Gibson was drawing pictures at times. And it's a thing. and it's a thing in, uh, in a lot of people. And for me, the interest never went away. My interest in comics is strong. My interest in animation, uh, particularly uh, classic Disney stuff and anime, uh, is very, very strong and has been since childhood. I think the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Peter Pan. And I've always been interested in that and in, in enjoying it so much. I, it became something that I knew I wanted to do. And when I say I knew I wanted to do it, this is like when I was a teenager. Like when I first got into movies and was uh, really diving deep into movie history and uh, and going on a path that would eventually lead me to film school and then writing movies and eventually uh, directing them as well. At that same time, I was uh, I was a comic book collector. And I also would get, Uh, bootleg VHS tapes of Japanese animated movies uh, that were not translated. And I would watch them again and again and again, trying to figure out some of the story and just enjoying the animation. So uh, these interests are are always there. And for me, anything that I'm very, very interested in is uh, something I also want to pursue to some degree. I'm very into food. I, I made my living as a, as a cook at a catering company for about a decade I'm very into music uh i i i now have nine albums uh of various types with with my name on them mo- most of those with Jeff Harriet uh i'm very into movies i've you know now written and directed three and wrote another two uh, i'm very into comics i have one out i have another one that I'll be done with in, in a couple of months after 14 months of work and uh, that's that's just what I'm burying the books, and I have six novels out, and that's just the way I'm built, and the things that I'm interested in, I want to pursue actively. And there's a part of me that that felt unsatisfied that I had no uh, illustration-derived material out there, and that could be animation or it could be comics. They're both things that I want to do, but certainly comics are easier for me to just do on my own and although I'm now coming upon uh, I've I've now passed the one year mark of working on my second comic and it is very very you know very very time consuming still not as time consuming as as doing an animated movie would be were I to do it all myself so uh, those were that's a part of the artistic whole that I want to put out there in the world is stuff that uh is illustrated and animation and comics are there's a lot of overlap for me in terms of the the satisfaction i would i would get from either but uh i've got the first comic out there it's been uh very well received but i i didn't know how many people were going to chop on some of the um cruder aspects of the art but it it has been well received which is which is nice particularly while i work on the second one and, um, it's, and it's very satisfying. Like, like my novels, this is just something where it's me in a room generating a lot of work, and then I hand it to someone and it's done. And, uh, and also, like the novels, it doesn't require any technology to enjoy. So there's something, there's something to that. Not like, I, not like I'm expecting a, a, a Y2K-type uh, disaster to destroy all of the Blu-ray and DVD players and streaming services uh, and the internet. But to watch my movie or to listen to my albums requires the piece itself and then some, you know, a, a couple of pieces of technology, be it a computer screen or a television monitor or internet service or whatever it is. So that's all dependent on having, having those pieces of technology to enjoy them. Whereas my book, uh, my book survived. My book survived in a cave for a thousand years, uh, and my comic survived in a cave for a thousand years. So there's something nice and immediate about that. That it really is my pen scratching these lines on a piece of paper. Eventually, tells you a story, and these words printed on a page uh, tells you a story, and you you build it that way. So there's there's I have a lot of satisfaction in getting pieces like that out in the world. Although clearly I'm best known for my movies and that reaches a larger audience. And I, and I, and I'm a big movie fan. I, the vividness of that medium uh, is second to none actually at at this point uh, in, in, in history, perhaps there'll be some virtual reality experience that will uh, exceed this and, and also contain what it contains. But Illustration is is something I knew I had to do at some point in my life, and I'm very, very happy to to be doing it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.